Chapter 32 of The Romance of Modern Astronomy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Romance of Modern Astronomy by Hector McPherson. Chapter 32 The Conquest of the Stars. In the foregoing pages, many references have been made to the immortal name of William Herschel. But little has been said of the exact position which Herschel occupies in astronomy. The astronomers before Herschel occupied themselves only with the solar system, the little group of planets moving around the sun. Even the mighty mind of Newton was obliged to concentrate on the solar system. The stars were observed certainly, but more as convenient reference points for the observation of the moon and planets than from the desire of the astronomers to learn anything of the stellar orbs for their own sake. It was reserved for Herschel to commence the conquest of the stars, to start astronomy on a new path. His epitaph claims that he broke through the barriers of the skies, and it is no exaggeration to say that this is true. He stands only second to Newton among the pioneers of astronomy, for he led his fellow astronomers, we might say, to a higher pinnacle of knowledge than had ever before been attained, and revealed a vista of infinity and eternity unthinkable to the mind of man. Herschel was born at Hanover on November 15, 1738. He was the third son and fourth child of Isaac Herschel, originally a bandsman, but afterwards the band member of the Hanoverian Guards. Although in humble circumstances, Isaac Herschel was a man of considerable intelligence, an eminent musician, and greatly interested in astronomy. He had a family of ten children, and of these, William was by far the most accomplished. He and his sister Caroline, who was twelve years his junior, were the only members of the family who achieved distinction. From the beginning of her life, Caroline was deeply attached to her father and her brother William, who were the only two members of the family who showed her invariable affection. William Herschel attended the Garrison School at Hanover until he was 14 years of age. Here he displayed his love of learning and his brilliant powers by mastering his lessons in half the time taken by his brother Jacob, his senior by four years. William Herschel was a competent musician and, along with his brother, became an oboist in the Hanoverian Guards, of which his father was bandmaster. The outbreak of the Seven Years' War in 1756 compelled the Hanoverian guards to fight. Conscription being the rule, the musicians were not exempt from serving their country. After the defeat of the English and the Hanoverians at Hastenbeck in 1757, William Herschel spent the night in a ditch and, after due consideration, decided that fighting would not be his profession. In fact, with the consent of his father and mother, he deserted and sailed for England, where he arrived when in his 19th year. For some time, he wandered through England in search of some musical employment, and in 1760, he was appointed to train the band of the Durham Militia. Five years later, he became organist at Halifax, and in 1767, in the Octagon Chapel at Bath, where he continued until he became an astronomer. Herschel, in 1764, paid a visit to his father, who was now failing, and who died in 1767. His death was a severe blow to Caroline, whose affection was concentrated on her father and her brother William. 
Her father had desired to give her a good education, but her mother and her brother Jacob wished her to learn no more than was necessary for the education of a housemaid. After five years, William Herschel decided to take his sister with him to England, and she arrived in Bath in August 1772. At the time when Caroline Herschel arrived in England, her brother was beginning to take a deep interest in astronomy. After conducting a concert, Herschel would return to his room and study Maclaurin's fluxions and Ferguson's astronomy. His original interest in the latter science was due to his father, but the perusal of the work of Ferguson aroused a fresh desire to see for himself the orbs of heaven. As Caroline expressed it, it soon appeared that my brother was not contented with knowing what former observers had seen. He hired a small telescope and was so charmed with the wonders of the heavens that he determined to have an instrument for himself. He therefore wrote to London to make inquiries. But the price of the telescope was too great for Herschel with his limited means. The bath musicians, however, was not the man to be baffled by difficulties. He made up his mind to make his own telescope, and, buying the apparatus of a local optician, he succeeded in constructing, after many failures, a reflector, the mirror of speculum metal. On his return from a concert, he would plunge with enthusiasm into telescope making, and, while grinding and shaping the mirror, he was obliged to hold his hands on it for 16 hours at a time, his meals being supplied by his sister, who also read stories to him to break the monotony. But for Caroline Herschel, who spared no trouble for her brother, William would have never become the famous astronomer, and she sacrificed for his sake her prospects as a public singer. In 1774, when he was 35 years of age, Herschel began to observe the heavens with his own telescope. For seven years, Herschel maintained his love for astronomy while perusing the profession of music. Night after night, he swept the skies with various telescopes. Having made one instrument, he determined on seeing more of the celestial wonders and constructed larger ones. In 1779, through the friendship of Dr. Watson, an eminent literary man, Herschel entered the Literary Society of Bath. In the following year, he sent two papers to the Royal Society, followed by another in January 1781. But an event took place which completely changed the current of his life. In 1780, he began a review of the heavens with a six-inch Newtonian reflector. As he explored the constellation Gemini on the night of March 13, 1781, he observed an object which, unlike the stars, showed a round and well-defined disk, the motion of which was quite perceptible. This discovery of the planet Uranus, mentioned in a previous chapter, was the occasion of much excitement. The Bath musician was at once raised to the rank of an illustrious astronomer. King George III, hearing of Herschel's discovery, summoned him to London in 1782 and conferred on him the title of King's Astronomer, with a small salary of 200 pounds a year. The king, likewise, pardoned him for his desertion from the army 25 years previously. Herschel now cut himself adrift from the profession of music, and he and his sister settled at Datchet near Windsor in August 1782. He was then 44 years of age. William and Caroline Herschel removed in 1786 to Slough, near Windsor. The spot of all the world, wrote Arago, where the greatest number of discoveries have been made, and the astronomer remained there for the rest of his life. From dusk to dawn, he swept the heavens with his mighty reflectors, in the mirrors of which the stars appear to move in a glorious procession. He discovered many star clusters, 
over 2,000 nebulae, and about 70 million stars. In 1787, Caroline Herschel was appointed his assistant with a salary of 50 pounds a year. She would sit beside her brother, who would dictate to her what he saw. Sometimes, she tells us in her memoirs, the ink froze in her pen. Miss Clerk thus describes Herschel's enthusiasm. The thermometer might descend below zero, ink might freeze, mirrors might crack, but provided the star shone he and his sister worked on from dusk till dawn. While Herschel was thus rapidly rising into fame, wrote Mr. Symey in his admirable biography of the great German astronomer, he was not forgetful of the sister who so generously sacrificed her own wishes and prospects as a singer to advance his as an astronomer. He presented Caroline with a five-foot reflector with which she explored the skies. She discovered a number of clusters and nebulae and detected eight comets, one of which is now known as Enkes, between 1786 and 1797. Von Magellan, a foreign astronomer, reported in 1786 that the brother and sister were equally interested in astronomy. The University of Edinburgh conferred on Herschel in 1786 the degree of LLD. In 1792, he received the Freedom of Glasgow, and in 1816, he was created a Knight of the Royal Hanoverian Guelphic Order. Five years later, he became the first president of the Royal Astronomical Society. But he cared little or nothing for honors. He was described as a man without a wish that had its object in the terrestrial globe. Like Newton, he was in no way elated with his wonderful discoveries. Writing to his sister from London in 1782, he said, among opticians and astronomers, nothing now is talked of but what they call my great discoveries. Alas, this shows how far they are behind, when such trifles as I have seen and done are called great. Advancing years in no way affected Herschel's wonderful mind, but his duties as King's astronomer necessitated his acting as what Mr. Symey calls showman of the heavens on the visits of royalties to Windsor. Often after a whole day's work, when rest was absolutely necessary. This tremendous strain, which reflects little credit on the court, proved too much for the old man. His health began to give way, although his mind was as vigorous as ever. As Miss Clerk puts it, all his own instincts were still alive. Only the bodily power to carry out their behests was gone. An unparalleled career of achievement left him unsatisfied with what he had done. His strong nerves were at last shattered, after a prolonged period of failing health, he died at Slow at the age of 83 on August 25, 1822. His sister survived him for 25 years, dying early in 1848 at the advanced age of 97. The son of the Hanover Bandmaster was, in the truest sense, the founder of sidereal astronomy. He observed the suns which spangle the sky to discover the secrets of their constitution. He aroused, by his brilliant discoveries, widespread interest in the star depths. His career stimulated astronomical research during the 19th century. This may be seen from a study of the astronomical work of the past hundred years. The great work of Herschel has somewhat overshadowed his successors, many of whom have been men of the most brilliant genius. Contemporary with him were such men as Laplace and Olbers. Among his immediate successors, we find the great names of Bessel, Struve, and Henderson. 
in the middle of the century, Leverrier and Adams, while in more recent times, the astronomical army has been led to still greater triumphs by such men as Secchi, Huggins, and Vogel, Schiaparelli and Newcomb, and many other devoted students of nature. Thus, while the romance of astronomy belongs in the first place to the heavenly bodies themselves, there is something no less romantic in the study of the labors of that noble band of men who have dared to sound the universe and conquer the unknown. End of chapter 32